Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Lord Church, my name is Bill Townsend, and uh, I serve on the security team here. And this morning we're going to be reading from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. Father's glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Amen. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Lord, lead us and help us to leave your change closer to you, not near just instruction, but really transformation. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you may have a seat. Thank you, Bill. Well, all right. Well, congratulations. You are batting 1,000. 100% church attendance so far in 2024. Congratulations. Good on you. Listen, you know, we start these new years with all these resolutions and good commitments we make, and they're really for good reasons. And so we're just having this month-long four-part series called Limitless Commitments. And the part of it, the, the emphasis is on limitless. And so we're going to talk through four different commitments that have limitless potential. Like we think about re- re- resolutions that we make, and they, they have limits to them. But what we're going to talk about is really what we just sung about. When Christ is our firm foundation, all of our commitments that surround that are limitless, both to you, your friends, family, and ultimately into eternity, limitless opportunities. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, and today we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting, and we're going to look at what we just looked, Bill just read for us, this is John 15, 7 and 8. And it's interesting, as I was reflecting on just this morning, in all my years of being involved and in going to church, I've never heard a sermon on, on fasting. It's interesting. Why don't we talk more about fasting? And I pray as we leave here today that you leave here thinking through, why have we not talked more about fasting? And maybe in your own life, why don't I fast more? We come to this text in John 15, verse 7, and Jesus makes this statement about prayer. He says, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Isn't that wild? Like, think about that. Whatever I want and you'll do it? That sounds like a genie. I'm, I'm in, right? What does that mean? He gives two precautions for this prow- powerful prayer that he, that he gets to here. And they're both just in the, the, the previous words in the same verse in John 15, 7. He says, precaution, or caution number one, condition number one, rather, preconditions. Condition number one, if you remain in me. And condition number two, and my words remain in you. Remain in me, and my words remain in you. And what Jesus is calling us to here is a calling to connection with him. If you back up just two verses in verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces 
much fruit. Once you hear that, produces much fruit. And we'll come, we're going to circle back to that in a little while. But he says this, because you can do nothing without me. That's a lot of stuff. Abide in me because you do nothing without me. I was thinking about this whole fruit analogy and the difference between an apple being attached or connected to a tree and an apple being disconnected from a tree. Is the apple that's connected to the tree is still alive and can be used for what it was growing and meant to do. Versus the disconnected apple is dead, decaying, and useless. And so what the, really the aim is the first part of John 15 is that connection to Christ is crucial to life. And so let me start there. Asking you this morning, do you see that connection to Christ is essential to your life? Is he? Is it? You know, in parenting, there's this old adage. The question is, how do you spell love? Like, how do you love your kids? How do you spell love? And it's T-I-M-E. Have you heard that before? It's quality time. And we have to clarify this now because of cell phones. I don't mean sitting in a room with your cell phone because your kids are there. That's not time, right? It's quality time, interacting with your kids. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E, quality time. And I would say, taking a step further with connection with Christ, how do you spell connection? I would say the same thing, T-I-M-E, quality time with Christ. And so the question was then, how do we do that? How do you have connection, that quality time with Christ? I'm going to give you three ways that all come throughout the Bible. One is connection and time through his word. And so many of us, most of us, I would bet all of us, do not go a day without eating. But yeah, how many days do we go without spending time in God's word? If we do really value this connection with Christ and see it as essential to life, God's word has to be primary, a part of that connection. And yet so many times we go through all a day, a few days, maybe even a week, maybe even a month, without any time in the word. Can I say that's not biblical and that's not what God expects? Because he sees that we need time with him and that primarily comes through time in his word. Colossians 3.16 it says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. So asking, is the word of Christ dwelling richly among you? Do you prioritize time in his word? Jesus says in Matthew 28, observe everything I have commanded you. How do you know everything that God's commanded us unless we spend time in learning about what God's commanded us? So number one, how we... Enhance this connection with Christ, it's time in his word. Number two, it's time with his people. This practically, how do you spend time with God's people? All throughout the Bible, you see God's people gathering. In the New Testament, you see the church gathering. It's not just an hour on Sunday mornings. It is a way of life. It's throughout the week. It's in groups. It's in gatherings. It's a regular rhythm of worship togetherness. Caring for one another, bearing each other's burdens 
It's all of that, worshiping together. So how do we pursue a, pursue a deeper connection with Christ? It's through his word, it's through gatherings. I mean, just for us, it is a regular rhythm of worship on Sunday mornings, but it's also community groups. I mean, we're starting up new community groups even this month and in February. That's part of us being able to do life together, to serve together. We have serving opportunities. We have discipleship groups. We have all these ways just to get plugged into the life. It's not, it's not something to do something on Sunday mornings. It's a life that we're a part of together. God created us to be together. That's from the get-go of creation. The first problem in the creative order was not sin. It was that man was alone. God says, it's not good for man to be alone. You weren't created to be alone. You were meant to be with other people. So how we get this connection with Christ? It's through his words, through his people, and it's through prayer. And prayer is central connection with Christ and with Christian community. And that's why it's a staple of everything that we do, everything that we, every time we gather, prayer is paramount. We just don't do it because we got to, and it's kind of like how you start a meeting while we pray. No, we get to pray, and we see prayer is vital. We need God to work, and so we humbly submit ourselves to God in prayer in everything we do. Because we need Him. We need Him to worship this morning. No, we already prayed twice. Not that we're counting and trying to get a quota, but we need Him to worship. So my question for us this morning is, how strong is your connection to Christ? I'm not saying if you have one. How strong is it? Connection became vitally important uh, in clarity this past week. Three days ago, me and my son and my oldest daughter took a trip to West Virginia because we found a killer Dillon truck. So we bought a truck, drove all to West Virginia five hours, middle of nowhere, West Virginia, no idea where I'm going, handicapped totally by GPS, right? Just blindly following this thing through the woods. And, and so as we got closer, I'm, I'm aware that the signal is getting weaker, and so I'm trying to now, like, look for markers and turns, and then it becomes a point to where everything looks the same. Like, every road, tree, you're taking lefts and rights. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I don't know where we are. So we arrive at the house, and then we start the journey back home. So I pull up the GPS on my phone, and it is not routing us home because there's no connection. Signal's very weak. There's enough of a signal to see the map but not enough of a signal for the map to route us anywhere. And so after driving a little bit, it became really obvious that I lost my way. I was like, oh, I've never seen that barn. So we pull around, and so I got my son navigating and my, my daughter behind me, uh, driving the car, following us. So my son says, I, I see, because we knew where we had to get to, this next town. And so he says, I see this road we could take. Okay. And so we're just following this map. You know, like old school maps, right? Uh, following this map. And man, if this road didn't start getting to gravel, one lane, no one was around. At one point, we literally crossed a creek. Uh, and it's funny because when you get out of nowhere and like that, you have no reception, don't have any idea where you are. Even if you had reception, you don't know how to tell anybody where to come rescue you at. Uh, no, no houses. Uh, you become very vulnerable. And so the few houses you do see, it's funny, I, I, was, I was joking, it's really not funny. Uh, those houses that you do see that are rarely in between this journey that we were on, this trek, this several-mile trek that felt like several years uh, trek. Uh, funny how everybody becomes an axe murderer out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like every house you see, like, oh, don't let me, I know. No wild. But it became clear how important the connection was. And I was just thinking about that. That's life sometimes. 
connection can be so weak with Christ, you just kind of feel lost, aimless, vulnerable. And so what we see is the strength of your connection with Christ, and this word directly impacts the strength of our prayers. So he says, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And a couple of noteworthy things about prayers. One, prayer aligns our wants with God's will. Not the other way around. Prayer aligns our wants with God's will, not God's will with our wants. You guys tracking that? Hugely important. I was thinking about just the, the alignment. I've been doing a lot of car work recently, so bear with me. But think about tire alignments. If your tires are out of alignment, your car is not going to run as efficiency, efficiently, and your tires are going to get worn out, messed up a lot more rapidly, right? So being in alignment, your car runs more efficient, your car tires last longer. And so sometimes our, our wants and our desires are out of alignment. We don't even know it because we think we have pretty good intentions and good plans. At least I do. I got some good plans until they're not so good. So this prayer, this constant prayer prompting and pursuing God keeps our wants in alignment with God's will. It's interesting about prayers often is really an open admission that we're recognizing we can do nothing without Jesus. That's why it's so dangerous to have a prayer list life because you're saying, I can do a lot of things without Jesus. And that's not what Jesus said. He says, you can do nothing without me. Again, I was thinking about just our own life recently, and we had this pop-up camper. Anybody familiar with what a pop-up camper is? Okay, pop-up camper, for those that don't know, looks like a box on wheels, right? Until you wind the thing up. Some fancy one that has electric, but you wind the thing up, and it pops up, and it spreads out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Interesting about pop-up camper is that without the tool and someone to pop it up, it's just a box good for nothing. You can't get in it. You can't do anything with it. It's just, it's just there. But you need someone to stick the pole in and start winding that thing up about a million and a half times until it's like halfway up and then I got a million and a half times more. I mean, as I was thinking about this, because again, this is just my life here recently. What a good illustration about what prayer is. Essentially, I see myself as this pop-up camper, really useless for potential. It has potential, but can't do anything unless someone connects to it and puts power into it to make it come to its potential. And I see our prayer life, connection to Christ, as the mechanism that turns, that's connected to God who gives the power to it. I don't know if that tracks at all. I wasn't sure how that would land in here, but it makes sense to me. I got the microphone. You have to bear with me, okay? The prayer is essential, but what I see is that oftentimes, some of our prayer life, we, we, we know this, but there's a missing element that I'm just... Convinced that many of us, if not all of us, miss frequently. There's an element that enhances our prayer connection with Christ, and it's fasting. So you may ask, what is fasting? So I'm going to take it for, I'm not assuming that everyone knows what this is, because my own church experience would say many people don't know what fasting is. So biblically, fasting is a regular rhythm of a believer's life to abstaining from food for a specific amount of time to enhance your remaining in the Lord for a specific purpose. And there's a lot of confusion around fasting. Let me, a couple things. Fasting is not some kind of hunger strike. 
between you and God in hopes of leveraging God to do something that you want him to do. That's not what it is. Fasting is not even about how God responds to your prayers, but fasting is much more how we give and pursue our prayers to God. So the question often goes is, why don't we fast? Why don't we fast? Think about your own life. Why don't you fast or why don't you fast more? I think a lot of times because, one, it's hard. I don't feel like it. I came across this quote from a man named Wesley Dewell. He says, you and I have no more right to omit fasting because we feel no special emotional prompting then we have the right to omit prayer, Bible reading, or assembling with God's children for lack of some special emotional prompting. Fasting is just as biblical and normal a part of a spiritual walk of obedience with God as are these others. I love the normal, biblical and normal. And that's what we see all throughout biblical history. It's full of examples of people who saw fasting as both normal and necessary. I'm going to give you a few. In Judges chapter 20, we see the Israelite army who were going to battle, and they just lost 40,000 people in two days. Then it says the whole Israelite army went to Bethel where they wept and sat before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening. Then the Israelites inquired of the Lord. And the next day, God gave them the victory. We see Nehemiah in response to hearing about how the walls and gates of Jerusalem had been broken and burned down because of an attack, and the people there were vulnerable and in trouble. And Nehemiah 1.4 says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. And his prayer is interesting because as he fasted and prayed, it shows what his prayer was. He prayed for repentance for both he and himself, or himself and his people. And he prayed for favor because he's getting ready to, to request and stand before the Persian king to ask for favor for the king. We see King David in seeking God's involvement for some injustice as he was experiencing. In Psalm 35 verse 13, he says, I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer was genuine. We see David again after having this affair with Bathsheba. They had a kid and his, his son became deathly sick. In 2 Samuel 12, 16, it says, David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted, went home, and spent the night laying on the ground. In this instance, God did not answer the prayer like David had hoped. We see this prophetess Anna in Luke 2. Had this regular rhythm of worship. And in Luke 2, it says that she did not, she did not leave the temple but serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. We see Jesus immediately following his baptism. Luke 4, 1 and 2 says, He left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. We see the early church often fasted and prayed and committed their mysteries to the Lord, sending missionaries and appointing pastors. We see in Acts 13, verse 2, it says, They were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the works I have called them to. We see in Acts 14, verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. We see fasting is throughout the whole Bible as a regular rhythm of people's lives. We see 
recent history full of examples of people who believed and have set aside food to seek God as beneficial. Just give you a couple. John Wesley, largely known and recognized as the founder of the Methodist movement. It's interesting, they got the name Methodist because of the methods used by John Wesley of discipleship called Societies, Classes, and Bands. Societies were these large group gathering, worship-type gatherings. Classes would be about 20 or so smaller gatherings, and bands were about four people closely knit. And it's interesting, for those that have been around this church for any amount of time, you would recognize that we're more Methodist than most Methodists. That's exactly what we do. We gather for worship, we have community groups, and then we have closer-knit community, discipleship groups, men, men, women, women. But John Wesley just didn't come up with it. When you look at the life of Jesus, you can pull a lot of this from Jesus' life of discipleship. But Wesley had regular rhythms of fasting. Oftentimes through seasons, he would fast every Wednesday and every Friday, and who those were counting, that's twice a week. Many of us don't do it twice a year. But you see God just do an amazing movement through this man, John Wesley, because if he was seeking the Lord, I'm convinced. Seeking the Lord. This wasn't some kind of prideful thing. This was to him and the Lord, just people knew about this. We see this man named Bill Bright. In 1951, Bill Bright had a burden for the nations. Wanted to see the gospel just advanced to the nations for many to come to know Christ. But he sensed the Lord calling him to start with college students. So he started a ministry in 1951 at the campus of UCLA called Campus Crusade for Christ. And now this campus ministry is throughout the whole United States and very, uh, various uh, campuses. But uh, Bill, Bill Bright was a firm believer in the power of prayer and fasting. And he wrote a guide just listing some of his observances personally when it came to fasting. I'm just going to read through some of these. He says, fasting was an ex- expected discipline in both the Old and New Testament eras. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of the first love for your Lord and result in a more intimate relationship with Christ. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and transformed life. Fasting will encourage the Holy Spirit to quicken the Word of God in your heart, and His truth will become more meaningful to you. Fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience, and fasting can result in a dynamic, personal revival in your own life and make you a channel of revival to others. And I will go back to Bill Bright because you see God using this man to impact many, many people throughout the generations. And I believe because this is a passion for prayer and fasting. Passion for seeking the Lord and humbling themselves and forsaking these things to see God move in the way that glorifies Him. But like prayer, Jesus never commanded fasting because it was expected. It was an expected rhythm in, his, in people's lives and followers of, of, of Jesus' life. It was expected in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. He goes on to say, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. And he's pointing to their wrong motives. Their wrong motives were to 
pray and fast and seeking people's praise and not to please God. But the point is, whenever you do these things, there were an expectation as regular rhythms of believers' lives, prayer and fasting. So notice the heart posture. And it's interesting, Isaiah 58, God speaks right to the heart posture problem. See, in Isaiah 58, verse 3, you have this, this conversation of people talking to God. and They say, why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. And then God says, look, you do as you please on the day you fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. So God's speaking directly to, as Jesus did, the heart posture condition in your praying and fasting. And there I say everything else. Heart posture matters. So we're talking about fasting. We see the biblical precedent of fasting as a regular rhythm of all believers' lives. So the question goes, how do we fast? Number one, it starts with your heart posture. Your heart posture has to be to please God, to seek God, that connection with God. Number two, I'd recommend building up to fast. If you haven't fasted before or in a long, long time, commonly fasting was 20, is 24 hours, commonly recognized. But maybe you start slower. Maybe you start with missing a meal or two for 12, 18, and then 24 hours. Just some recommendations. There are two types of fasts that are commonly approached. One's called like a partial fast, and they get it out of Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. When he says, I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth. And so it's a partial fast, it's select things. But more commonly, it's a complete fast. It's a fasting from all food, and you only drink water or maybe juice if it's a prolonged fast. But when you fast, it's recommended to, to plan ahead. Plan your fast out, and then plan what that day looks like as you fast. Plan to spend significant unhurried time in worship and seeking God in prayer. And consider this. The day you fast, consider beginning the day in a time of repentance. Repenting any unconfessed sins that you know and asking God to reveal those things that you don't. Because we see throughout the Bible that unrepentant sins hides God's face. He does not listen. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities are separating you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. But the great thing is, those, when we do confess our sins, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a great way to start your day in fasting is to start with confession, repentance. And it takes time throughout the day to study pre-selected passages of Scripture. And what we're looking at is scripture-led, spirit-led fasting. And it's something that's hard for us to do, is take time to listen. Take time to listen. You can better hear from God when you turn down all the noise that's always nearby to listen through fasting what God's saying. And so with that, I would encourage you to grab a notebook. Before you leave today, we have notebooks. They'll do no good on that table. So have a notebook and a pen nearby. And start writing down as you go through your day of fasting, ideas, insights, 
instructions that you feel like the Lord may be oppressing on you. And then as you go throughout, these hunger pains happen. So use those hunger pains as prayer prompts. Essentially saying, I need a deeper connection with you than my desire for food. And finally, I'd encourage fasting with a focus. And we see that's all through Scripture. There's a focus. There was a reason. Fasting with a focus. And there's many focuses that could and should be considered. I mean, there's, you could be fasting for healing for yourself or for someone else. Fasting for God provide provisions for yourself or someone else. Or maybe fasting for salvation for a family member, friend, neighbors. But we see a, a real good healthy fasting focus here in verse 8 of John 15. Jesus says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And what we see here is fruit production only comes by way of connection to Christ. And so when I talk about fruit, it's a kind of a churchy word. Fruit is basically, are you showing Jesus in your life? In other words, if you were on trial, accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to lead to your conviction? That's what we're talking about here. Do you regularly look more like Christ? Are you growing in him? And so as you think about this, a fasting focus, I'm going to give you two. One, personally, we talk about the fruit that, because you're a Christian, come from your life. Galatians 5, and 23 give a great listing of the fruit of the Spirit. God's dwelling inside you, so when God dwells inside you, the Holy Spirit himself dwells inside you, these things are regularly produced in your life. They're love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as you hear that list, I just wonder, is there anything that pops off that list and say, I could do better there. I desire to do better there. Is the Holy Spirit prompting you, showing you some areas in life, like, I want to do better here because it represents Christ so well. I desire to be more patient. I just go there because we all need more patience. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. I desire to be more patient for the sake of my family, for the sake of the traffic that I'm in. I don't run someone off the road, you know what I'm saying? Patience. How about kindness, gentleness? Let me just talk to the men in the room. Gentleness. This is for all Christians. Because often I hear the excuse that I'm a man. I've got to be gentle. I just tell it how it is. You know what I'm saying? Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. So I just wonder, as you hear this list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, how does that land on you? Is it areas that you feel like, man, God is showing me some things? That's a very worthy thing to be praying and fasting over, asking God to produce that in you. Why? Because your Father is glorified by this. Those who produce much fruit and prove to be his disciples. 
How about ministry? Are people coming to faith and growing in faith in and through you? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Do you see life change happening through you onto others? That could be really good prayer and fasting focus for your life. But we're going to call us to pray and fast for the health of our church. So as a church, we're calling us to have a season of prayer and fasting for our church. And here's the focus. Believe it or not, it's not a building. We're not going to pray and fast for a building. You may disagree with that. I'm sorry. What we're calling us to pray and fast as a church over is for fruitfulness. Meaning for the mission and ministry of the church for God to have fruitfulness in those ways. For God to save and to send many. For God to bring many to himself here in the West End and to the ends of the earth through the mission and ministries of this church. That's why we exist. For God to send many from this church so that many can hear the gospel and come to faith in the West End and to the ends of the earth. And through this church, see many churches planted from the West End to the ends of the earth. This is what we're calling us to fast and pray for, asking God to do these things because these things matter most. You want to have limitless commitments? Start with prayer and fasting and see what God would do with that in your life, in the life of those around us, and even in the lives of the end of the earth. I'm just wondering if we can commit to a season as a church to pray and fast for God to be glorified through the life of this church and for many, many, many people to be drawn to him and see lives changed from the west end to the ends of the earth. I wonder how many will join me in praying and fasting for that and see what God does with that. You know, Jesus, when he gives the whenever you fast statement, it's interesting. He gives a precaution and a promise. In Matthew 6, 16 through 18, it says, he says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. He says, truly, they have the reward. Meaning, they're fasting so that people will see how religious they are. Are you so religious? How awesome are you? He says, that's not the point. He says, but when you fast, notice he says, but when. It's expected. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, Take a shower, put some gel in it, blow it out, whatever you do. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And then it says this, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you hear the promise? Will reward you. Now I don't know what that reward is. I'm not saying you'll get what you want, because I go back to King David. He was praying and fasting for his son to be saved, and he wasn't. But he encountered the Lord in a special way. I'm convinced that's a reward, is that we encounter in a connection with Christ deeper than we could without prayer and fasting.
But God does move and answer prayers also. We see time and time again the word God had moved and answered prayers even more than they'd ever dreamed of. But this kind of fasting, we fast in faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Now without faith it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So I'm asking, do you believe that? He just said, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you believe Jesus? Proverbs 8, 8 verse 17 says, those who search me, God says, find me. Do you believe this? Like these are incredible promises of God. Those who search me, find me. I'm not far away. And those who fast, I will reward. And don't miss this. This promise is for Christians and non-Christians. So Christians, you want to enhance your connection with Christ? Start with prayer and fasting. And see what God does in your life and the life of those around you. Non-Christian, it's the same thing. Your connection starts the moment you believe. You believe. You believe there's a God who created you just the way you are with a purpose to know him and to be known by him and has made a way for you so that everyone who believes has eternal life. He, Jesus, came down, lived a life, the perfect life that we were expected to live but couldn't, to die the death that we deserve, a consequence for our sins, so we didn't have to be eternally separated from God, so that whoever believes, whoever believes, no matter what you've gone through, been through, doing, whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life, and that life starts the moment you believe and lasts forever. This is the good news of a great God with a connection that starts now and lasts forever that anyone everywhere can have at the moment you believe. Romans 10 simply says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We were all there at one point and God pulled us out of the muck and the mire, dead to life, and we have a connection with Christ. We have connection with the living God, but how is your connection? Do you desire a deeper connection? May I recommend the limitless commitment to make today is to start regular rhythms of prayer and fasting in your life. We're going to have a, a time of a prayer right now. I'm going to invite our worship band back up. and In a moment, they're going to lead us through another worship song. But I'm going to encourage you, as we sing, just take a few moments just to pray. Just to pray right where you are. And then when you're ready, by all means, as the Lord leads, stand, sing, continue to worship. But just take a moment, regardless of how people respond around you, and just to pray. I wonder what God is laying on your heart this morning. I wonder what God's doing in this place, in this moment. I wonder what God's showing and revealing to us. Maybe there's some areas where connection has been off. Do you think it's possible that God's calling you back to himself in a deeper, richer way, desiring to have the relationship connected in a deep way as a son and daughter of the Most High King and Father. I just wonder, even this morning, 
if there's some sin in our life that we have just been wrestling with but haven't confessed, how good would it be from a good God to call you and reveal those things to you to heal? It's been said God won't heal what you don't reveal. I'm going to ask us to respond through prayer. And then as the Lord leads, if you stand and sing, do that. But maybe you just need to be on your knees and pray at your seat. Really humble ourselves between a holy God who loves us so much. We'll have a prayer team decide we'd love to pray with you, pray for you. But let's just take this opportunity just to spend time with the Lord. Unhurried time with the Lord. I'm going to pray for us. And our band's going to sing. I'm going to invite you to continue to pray and worship. And then as the Lord leads, you follow his leading. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place. We thank you for your words and your promises. We thank you for the connection that we have with you because of the finished work on the cross of Christ Jesus, who paid the penalty for our sins so that we were brought from death and alive and can remain with you the relationship that we enjoy with you, Father. So we just ask right now that you do a movement in our life so we can just come closer, richer, deeper in relationship with you to truly abide and rest in your goodness and your grace despite the swirling uncertainties and all these things that surround us, the noises. And Lord, help us to rest in you. Let your promises that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you're always with us, that you're for us, not against us, just wash over us as sons and daughters of the Most High King. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer, or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.